following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. But what I want to talk today about is the new year, because it is the new year, it's 2016. I haven't seen some of you guys since 2015, so it's great to see you again. Um, And every new year, we all have this New Year's resolution that we want to do, or some of us, or most of us, and it, it brings a new year, a new opportunity. Um, and what are you questioning, or what are you wanting this year for yourself that's new? Maybe it's getting rid of something. Maybe it's getting rid of a, a habit. Um, maybe it's picking up a good habit. Um, or how can we, we better ourselves, and what can we add to my life spiritually What can I add to my life um, physically? And, you know, I think the last couple years, last year I tried to add some stuff to my life physically and by my physique. It didn't work out too well last year in 2015, but I'm hoping for a better year this year. Um, And this all of 2015, it was really funny because I went out and bought one of those pull-up bars that you can put in your house. And I did it like the first day, and I did five pull-ups. I'm like, I can always start next year. (laughs) And then Nick decided that he wanted me to start going to the gym with him. And so I got a membership, and we started going to the gym. And we we would go early in the morning before work. And every day, you know, it was hard to get up the first couple times. After the first one, I obviously didn't want to do it. Um, But it got easier and easier to go. And... There was a couple months ago where we walked into the gym and the lady looks at us and she goes, you know what, you know what you guys are known for here? And I'm like, oh gosh, what? And she's like, the coffee guys. I'm like, the coffee guys? She goes, yeah, because you guys come every morning with coffee because we go to the coffee bean by the gym and then we come walking in with our coffees and we're the only two in the whole gym with our coffees. And I thought to myself, well, dang it, I want to be known as like, the buff guy. Like, I don't want to be coffee guy. Like, call me like Buff Daddy Dan or something. Like, that. Would, I want that. I don't want to be a coffee guy, especially in the gym. And so that's what I'm striving for this year. And this year, I also have some new things coming to my life. My wife's due at the end of this month. And so we're going to have a little baby girl. And um, yeah, I'm really excited about that. And, and her sister actually moved here with her husband from Puerto Rico and their little boy, so that's something new and exciting for me as well. Um, and so there's all these things going on at the beginning of the year where I'm really excited, I'm really stoked for 2016. And, you know, the past couple years, since I've, you know, really given my life to Christ, every year I'm like, God, I want to go deeper with you. I want, I want to be closer to you. I want to get to know you more and more. And there was a couple years ago where I started this one-year study Bible, like most of us do at the January 1st. And we're really excited. It's January 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, and then that TV show's on, and I want to watch that TV show. So I stay up late, and I'm too tired to wake up the next morning to read my Bible. So I'm like, well, I'll just do it tomorrow, and I'll read two verses tomorrow then. And so we keep putting it off and putting it off. And while I was doing this one-year study Bible, um, I, I... came to a point, and I was just sitting there, I'm like, God, when is everything just going to be good? Like, when is everything going to be great? Like, why am I struggling with, 
with my job, with my finances. Like, God, I want the perfect house. I want the perfect family. I want the perfect income. And I'm, I'm sitting here while I'm doing my Bible study talking about all these things that I want. And it's not a bad thing to do that. But I felt like I got hit upside the head by God. And he's like, never. Because I'm never going to stop growing you. I'm never going to stop working in you. And so for me, it was one of those things like, there's never going to be a point in our life to where we're going to be like, this is it. This is great. Because God doesn't want to stop working in our life. He wants to continuously build us up. He wants to continuously mold us and shape us. And it's not a bad thing to want to better ourselves physically and spiritually. That's not a bad thing at all. I think we all should. But what I think we should do this year in 2016, let's challenge ourselves a little bit more. Instead of self-improvement, let's try self-sacrifice. And I think that's the message for today is instead of self-improvement, let's improve ourselves physically, spiritually, but how can we self-sacrifice ourselves? And there, there's a verse in 1 John 3.16, I, I, I think John says it perfectly, and he says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Now, the author of this, John, who was a disciple of Jesus, um, you know, he was able to walk with Jesus. He was a disciple of Jesus. He was able to walk with him. And so while he's writing this, he's probably thinking back of all the things that he saw Jesus do, all the things that he saw Jesus say, because he personally was with Jesus in this time. And so while he's writing this letter, he's probably thinking back of all the things that he was able to experience with Jesus. And we can look at a lot of different people in the Bible. We can look at a lot of different people around us and think of different stories or remember different times of where we saw self-sacrifice. Um, and, you know, Jesus did a lot of that. He, he washed the disciples' feet. He sacrificed himself. He, he bent down and he washed his disciples' feet. He healed people. He, he raised the dead. He forgave sins. And he did all these things. Um, but the one I want to talk about today, it's, it's not something that it's easy to talk about. It's, it's not a feel-good story. You know, we, we can read stories and we can hear stories about people sacrificing. You're like, that's such a, that's a loving story. And by all means, this is one of the most loving stories, but it actually hurts to talk about. It's, it's graphic, but it's self-sacrifice. And it, it's when Jesus is before Pilate. And the whole crowd is, is yelling, crucify him. He did nothing, but they're still screaming, crucify him. And before he gets crucified, in Matthew 27, verse 26, it says, but he, but he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. Now, flog means to be beat. It means to be whipped with a stick for punishment or torture. And we can see this going way back in Deuteronomy, where the Jews, they were actually permitted to flog someone if they were guilty of a certain thing that they did. But when they did that, they couldn't flog that certain someone past 40 times because anything after 40 was usually fatal. It would usually kill them. And this was a punishment. They didn't want to kill them. They wanted to punish them. And so anything after 40, so in Jewish law... You could actually only do it 40 times, but 
the thing was, Jesus was getting flogged, and it wasn't by the Jewish people, it was by the Roman people. And so they say that when he was getting flogged, it was probably more than 40 times because it wasn't the Jewish culture, it wasn't the Jewish law, it was the Romans. And if we read about Roman law, when it became Romans to the Jews, they didn't like each other. And so knowing this, knowing that they were going to flog this Jew, and it was Jesus, and they've already been mocking him, they wanted to arrest him, they wanted to kill him, the Romans probably had it out for him even more and didn't care if they did it more than 40 times. And when someone was flogged, they were actually stripped naked. And also in Jewish culture, this is humiliating because our body's a temple of God. So they, they would strip Jesus naked and it was humiliating. And they would bound him to a two-foot pole and their, their hands would be above their head um, around this metal ring and they, their, their wrists were tied down so tight so they weren't able to move. And once the, the victim was harnessed up, they were stretched over this pole. Okay, And so when... When this would happen, before the first blow, before the first strike, the victim, their, their stomach would actually knot up because it would be so tense before they knew it was coming. And when they heard this word flog in the Greek, when they heard it, people already just had this disgusting look on their face because they knew what was going to come. So before that first strike, Jesus, his stomach, his muscles in his stomachs were probably already tightened up. They say that when this was about to happen, the color in your cheeks would already start to go. You would start to change colors just before you were about to get struck because you knew what was about to happen. And so they used this short wooden stick, and it had 18 to 24-inch leather straps on it. And out of these leather straps, there was broken glass, there was wire, metal, jagged bones, and it was to cut the flesh. So they specifically made these things to cut flesh. And the Romans, they perfected this. They wanted to torture people. They, they wanted to be able to be the ones that if you went against Roman law, that you would have to pay the price. And that's why they were doing this. And so at the ends of those, those, those leather straps, they had all this broken glass. They had all these things to be able to cut the flesh. And they usually used two soldiers, two Roman soldiers. So as the victim is sitting there and, and tied up, there was a soldier simultaneously on each side hitting you back and forth. And it was nonstop. You would go and as soon as that other soldier would get done, you would hit again and again. And each time that leather would hit the back, it would rip skin off. And they say that you could actually see the spine in most cases because of how much skin it was ripping off. And I, like I said, this is graphic. It's not something that I like to talk about, but it's something that we can see what Jesus actually went through. And this is way before the cross. He hasn't even gone to the cross yet. This is what's happening to him as soon as he got arrested and as soon as he gets into their hands. And so what it also happened, since it had straps, it would come around, okay, when, when, when the soldiers would strike him, those straps would come around and it would actually rip his chest. It would rip his stomach. And they say that organs would actually start to fall out in some people. Okay, and so when, when there's an open wound, your heart starts to pump faster and faster because it's trying to get blood flowing. Well, as it's going faster and faster, it, it's a struggle. The heart's, the heart's struggling at this moment. And so after 
the bowels would be on the ground because of the open wounds. The heart would be pumping. There would be a massive of, a, a loss of bodily fluids. And so there would just be this quench of thirst to where people would actually pass out just from that. Imagine being so thirsty to where you're about to faint because you're losing so many bodily fluids. And oftentimes, you would faint because of the pain and go into shock and then cardiac arrest. Okay? And this is in most cases. So this is just one little thing. It's not little. It's a thing that, that Jesus endured for us. This is something he sacrificed, okay, his body for us. And then after that, we go on to Matthew 27, verse 27, 31. It says, Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus in the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him and put him a scarlet robe on him and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand. Then they knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, king of the Jews, they said. They spit on him and took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. After they had mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him. When they led him away to crucify him. Then they led him away to crucify him. So the praetorium was a big courtyard. Okay? And when it talks about the governor's a soldier, the governor's soldiers, it's not like there's five or six soldiers. And we know that Roman soldiers, they were born for this. They were born to be soldiers. They were big guys like me. They were strong guys like me, right? And so it wasn't just three or four of Why'd you guys laugh? <laughs> Come on. I've been going to the gym. So there's 300 to 600 of these soldiers. It wasn't a small amount of soldiers in this courtyard. There was anywhere between 300 to 600, and they they stripped them down to become naked again, to mock him, to embarrass him, to humiliate him. And they put these crown of thorns on. As soon as they put these crown of thorns on, they forced them on him. And when they forced it on there, it, it, it exposed. Okay? The, the, the thorns would go into the skin and it would cut and then blood would start flowing again. So after all of that, now again they're, they're coming and they're drawing more blood from these crown of thorns. And the staff that they, they gave him, it was like a reed. Okay? It was like a stick. And they gave this to him to mock him, saying, oh, he's the king. And when it talks about soldiers coming and spitting on him, okay, it wasn't one, two, three, or four soldiers that, that mocked him and bowed down to him and, and said, oh, king of the Jews. There was anywhere between 300 to 600 of these soldiers walking up, spitting on Jesus, 300 people to 600 people, spitting in his face, and then taking this reed and hitting him over the head again, again, and again. And then... They take off the scarlet robe they put on to put on his other robe. And as they did that, once they took off that robe, by that time, the blood on his back from being flogged was already dried. It was starting to scab. So as soon as they ripped that off, then those wounds opened yet again. And like I said, this is all before the cross. This is what Jesus endured before the cross. The cross... The, the Romans perfected the cross on how to kill someone because they wanted to annihilate. They wanted to hurt them so badly. So these things that happened prior to the cross didn't even compare to what actually happened at the cross. 
And so when we talk about self-sacrifice, I'm not necessarily saying that you have to physically go through all this pain in 2016, like Jesus said. I'm not saying that we have to go through this physical pain in 2016 because Dan said at church on Sunday, well, we have to live self-sacrifice, so let's all get hurt in 2016. That's not what I'm saying. This is just a small example of what self-sacrifice is. There's many different ways, there's many different stories of self-sacrifice, and that is just one of them. And it's one of them that we think about, and it's one of them that we, we ponder on, and we th- think to ourselves, why? Why did Jesus go through all of that? Why did he have to be tortured? Why did he have to be humiliated? He did it because he loves us. That's self-sacrifice. You self-sacrifice because of love. And the amount of love the Father had for each one of us, he decided, Jesus decided, that this was something he was going to go through so that we were able to spend eternity with him, so that we were able to walk hand in hand with him. So we were able not to suffer anymore. So we're able not to go through pain anymore. That's why Jesus did these things. He didn't have to do these things. He chose to do these things. He chose to go through that pain for us. Now there's another story. There's a couple different stories. But there's another story of someone here in the church of self-sacrifice. And he doesn't know I'm going to share this story. But Rodrigo, um, when he came here, he, he... came to the U.S. last year, and he, he starts, you know, coming to this church because his family starts coming to the church, and he starts feeling God wanting him to serve in this church, okay? But he didn't know where, and because of his English, he didn't want to be in public speaking because he didn't think his English was that good yet. So he decided, you know what? I'm going to serve wherever I can serve. He did a self-sacrifice, so now he runs back there, the video and all that. He does it. He serves here in the church, self-sacrificing himself every Sunday. Okay, he doesn't have to go, well, maybe he does go through pain and headaches sometimes because of it, but he doesn't have to go through this physical pain, but that's self-sacrifice. He's sacrificing himself for us, for this body, for this church. That's self-sacrifice. And the widow's offering in Mark 12, 41 through 44, that's another story of self-sacrifice. Okay, we read this story, and she's not necessarily having to die for someone in this situation. But we read it, and you can see what she does. It says this, it says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were, put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. You guys, he's watching. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. The point of this is not what she gave. The point of this isn't how hard the sacrifice is. There's many different ways we can sacrifice. The point of it is our heart. Where Jesus' heart, his heart was for us when he was going to the cross. That's where his heart was. His heart was for us. 
This widow, where was her heart? Her heart was, I'm going to sacrifice everything. That's all I'm going to do. I don't, she doesn't have much. And some of us, maybe we don't have much. But what can we give? What can we sacrifice for God? And Psalm 51.10 says this. It says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Now this is David. And we all know King David, he had a good life. He had a rough life. He did some amazing things. But he also messed up a lot. And I mess up a lot. And I like going to the Psalms because I see David's heart while he's writing to God. What he's singing to God, what he's praising to God. In this instance, what he's saying is, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. He was going through a hard time in this moment. Okay, David just committed adultery. He just sinned. And in 2015, some of us probably did some sins, right? We all messed up. We did something wrong. We did something bad. But what David's doing here is he's confessing. What David's doing here, and he's saying, God, create in me a new heart. I need a new heart. I want a new heart. I want a clean heart, God. And as we look back in 2015 and we think of the things that we did or the things that we didn't do, what can we confess to God today and say, God, in 2016, I want to start this out right. I want to have a clean heart. I want to be purified by you so when I go into 2016, I can start fresh. That's what, God, or that's what David is saying to God. Create that clean heart in me. And when we confess that to God, and when we start everything out, every situation out in our lives, and say, God, I want you to take my heart in this situation. Why are we doing certain things? Okay? And we can look at the widow. Why did she just give almost two pennies? Because that's all she had. Okay? She didn't do it so other people would look at her. If you gave offering today, nobody was looking to see if you gave $50, $100, $500. $500. And God really doesn't care how much you give. What he cares about is why were you giving that? Where was your heart in that situation? And everything that we do in this life, that is what God is looking at. Where is your heart in that situation? When you snap at someone at work, when you say something to someone at work and you have a bad attitude towards it and you're mad at them, where is your heart in that situation? Or to your spouse or to your kids or to your parents. When you respond to them, and how you respond to them, where is your heart in that situation? Because you can say the same thing two different ways, completely different ways. Okay? Mom or dad, hey, can you clean your room? Yeah, I'll clean my room. Or, yeah, I'll clean my room. Right? We know which one that is. Okay? We know, hey, honey, I love you. Yeah, I love you too. Right? Or, I love you too. Okay? Or, honey, can you rub my feet? Yeah, of course. Please rub my feet. Okay? There's all these different things. I'm not telling you to rub my feet. But there's all these different things, and we can look at it, and there's two different ways we can respond. There's multiple different ways we can respond, but God is looking at our heart in every single one of those responses. 
And I think we should get more excited this year instead of self-improving ourselves. Instead of getting ourselves better and making ourselves better, we should get more excited about how can we sacrifice for my family? How can I sacrifice for my friends? How can I sacrifice for my church? But ultimately, how can I sacrifice for God this year? What can I do for God this year that I haven't done? Yes, I've served in the church. Yes, I've served my family. Yes, I've done this. I've done that. But what can I do? How can I step up my game to glorify God, to sacrifice my life for God? What can I do differently in 2016 than I did 2015 and all the years prior to that? Because that's what God is looking at. He's looking at how are you going to sacrifice yourself to him this year? And we can look at what Jesus did. Okay. And that was a huge sacrifice. While I was preparing this and I was thinking of it, it's hard to comprehend. right? It's hard to, to read this and really understand what all Jesus went through because we didn't see it with our own eyes. Right? And it's you know, we can watch it on a movie. There's, there's some movies out there where they, they show it and, you know, some of us might tear up, our eyes start to sweat, and we see that because it affects us. But I was trying to think, I'm like, God, how can I comprehend really what the self-sacrifice was, what you did? And I start thinking about my loved ones. I start thinking about the people I love. And then I think about my son, right, little Josiah, three years old, three and a half years old, and he's so innocent doesn't listen to everything I say, but he's so innocent. Okay, and I think of him going through this pain for nothing. There's no reason he would have to go through this torture. There was, there's no reason why he would have to go through this pain, but I imagine myself sitting there and him getting hit with these whips at three and a half years old and getting tortured, and that hurt. That broke my heart. To have to think about something like that. Think of the loved one you're sitting by, and if you don't love them, start to love them. Okay? If you're sitting by someone, think of them having to go through that for nothing because Jesus went through that for nothing. He didn't have to go through that. He didn't do anything wrong. He didn't sin. He was perfect in every single way. But yet he went through that. He did a self-sacrifice for us so that we would be able to live this life and that we would be able to have this opportunity to live for him and to live with him someday in eternity. He did that, and I don't want you to do it by obligation to say, okay, God, yeah, you did this, and yeah, I feel bad about it, so I want to do that. No, I look at that as the greatest love story ever, what he did for us. And it's not an obligation why we should want to live our life and sacrifice our life for Jesus. I don't want to do it out of obligation. I want to do it because I want to love him so much more this year than I did last year. I want to understand what self-sacrifice is even more this year than I did last year when I see Jesus going through these things. And I want to understand how I can self-sacrifice my life this year. Hopefully not physically, because I stub my toe all the time and I hate that. But what can I do to self-sacrifice this year, this year for my church family, for my family, for my friends? And that's the same question we should ask ourselves today. Even though we're, we're a couple days past the first, how many people know it's not too late to start? Right? 
You can still, how many people want to go to the gym this year? All right, let's start going, okay? How many people want to get more involved this year in the church? How many people want to get more involved with your relationship with Jesus this year? That's what I want. I want all of us to understand what self-sacrifice truly means, not only in a physical form, but in a spiritual form. What can we self-sacrifice in our life? What can we give up? I titled the message today, Heart Over Habit. Okay, a habit. Typically, we think of a bad thing. Habit isn't always a bad thing. Reading your Bible is a good habit to have, if you want to call it a habit. Okay, it's something I want to do, so I wouldn't really say it's a habit. But heart over habit. Instead of looking at the habits in your life that you want to get rid of, like me chewing my fingernails, what is something that you want to get rid of in 2016? What can you get rid of in 2016? And I'm not saying that it's bad to get rid of all these different things, but I would much rather sacrifice myself for Jesus than any of my habits. Because once I do that, all of my habits are going to work itself out and eventually, hopefully, they go away. Right? Those habits of laziness, <laughs> that's a good habit, a bad habit. Right? Sometimes I like to be lazy, but it's not a good habit to have, and I want that to go away. Procrastination. You ask my wife, I'm a huge procrastinator. Okay? I want that to go away, but first I want to deal with this. I want to deal with my heart in God, because I feel if I do that, that's going to work itself out, and I'm going to stop procrastinating, not all the time, but most of the time. But that's my prayer for this year. My prayer for 2016 is that verse. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a loyal spirit within me. Um, there's a, there's a, one other story. I was actually talking on New Year's Eve with Tom, and we were talking about the different places that we, we've been, and it, it reminded me of this man when I was in Peru, and we were going and doing ministry, and we were talking to different people in churches, and um, you know, helping the church in Peru and the jungle of Peru to, to build up, and we were trying to raise leaders up in these churches, and there was a team that went in before us, and they came and they built this church, and they didn't have a pastor. They didn't, they didn't even really know what that was, so it was a couple-day-long um, trip in the boat through the jungle, and we get there, and we were supposed to help build these leaders up in the church, and it just started. They barely had a pastor, and as soon as we get there, one of the first people that we see as a man, and he only has one leg. And I don't know what happened. I didn't speak Spanish at this time. And I, I saw him, and he didn't even have crutches. He was just hopping around on one leg and had a smile on his face. And as we were there for a couple days, the team I was with, we started thinking of what can we do for this village? What can we do for these, these people here? And we each were praying individually for, for some of the people and, and praying for their church and someone said, we should pray for this man. And as soon as they said that, I think most of the people on the team was like, yeah, let's pray for him and let's pray that his leg grows. Right? That's, that's our first thing is like, let's pray for a miracle. I want his leg to grow. And so we were getting really excited and that we were going to have a service a couple days later. It was going to be our last service and we were going to ask him, you know, what can we pray for you about? We want to pray for you. What can we do? And as, as we're getting closer and closer to the service, I'm getting really excited because I'm like, I'm going to see a dude's leg grow. Like, that's amazing. You don't see that every day. And so I was really excited about this. And we get there and, you know, the church service gets done and we go back to 
the, the pastor's house and we're sitting in there and this man comes up and everybody had an eye on him and, and finally we're like, okay, hey, we want to pray for you. Let's pray for you. And my heart starts beating. I'm like, yes, I'm going to see this, right? And I'm really excited about it. And we ask him, we're like, what can we pray for you about? And he looks up at all of us and we're all expecting to hear the same thing. I want a leg, right? That's what I'd want. And he says, I want to be closer to God. I want to strengthen my relationship with Jesus. I want my heart to be focused on Jesus. And that's what he said. And all of us were kind of like, what? <laughs> like, you can have a leg, right? You don't want a leg? We're going to pray for a leg. You don't want that. He didn't care about that. He cared about his relationship with God. He cared about his relationship with Jesus and I thought, that's where I want my priority. Wouldn't that be such a good priority to have? We could have anything in this world. Someone comes up to us and they ask us, hey, what do you want? What do you want in this world? You can have whatever you want. What is it? And the response that he had was, I want a leg. You know, some of us might struggle with different things with relationships. In 2015, could have struggled, struggled with some relationships. Can I get the worship team up here, actually? Sorry. Um, we, we could have struggled with some relationships. We could have struggled financially. We could have struggled with a job. We could have struggled with all these different things in 2015. And right now, you have an opportunity to tell God, God, I want to give this situation to you. Because of the struggle that I went on in 2015, I don't want to go through that struggle anymore. I don't want to be able to, to have to go through that again. I want to give that up, God. I don't want that. How many people in here had something bad happen to them in 2015? Right? I think we all can agree. And it could have been bad. It could have been really bad. It could have been just absolutely horrible. In 2015, I look at things that were good in my life. I think of things that were bad in my life. And I want to focus on the good things. But something always brings me back to the bad things. Right? It's that thought. Something in our life tries to tear us down. and It's the devil. It's the enemy. He tries to tear us down. And he doesn't want us to succeed in 2016. He wants to tear you down even more in 2016 than he did in 2015. I'll tell you that much right now. He doesn't want you to be able to grow in God in 2016. He hates that you're here right now. He hates the fact that you're even listening to us talk about Jesus right now. But we have the opportunity to say, you know what? 2015 is old. God, I want you to create a new heart in me in 2016. And while you're creating that new heart, God, I want you to take away all that pain from 2015. And he's going to take it away. I want you to take away all those bad memories in 2015, God. And I want me to look at it as how can I glorify you out of those bad situations. He's a good God. He's a loving God. And he wants that for you. So in 2016, as we sit here, We can all have this prayer of God creating me this new heart. I want to be a living testimony to you. I want to have a a sacrifice. I want to self-sacrifice myself to you this year. And it's not going to be easy. There are going to be bumps in the road. There are going to be things that come up. 
and try tearing us down. But as long as we're focused on Jesus, as long as we have our heart on him, he's going to carry us through that. Because he sees the heart in the self-sacrifice. He saw the woman's heart when all she gave was two pennies. That's all it was. He saw his son's heart when he was going through pain and suffering. And he saw that he decided to walk through that and go through that for us. And he sees your heart today. And he's going to see your heart tomorrow. And he's going to see it the rest of 2016. And we all have choices to make every day. We can wake up and we say, life's not fun. Life hurts. But we also have a choice to make that says life hurts. Sometimes life isn't fun. But I'm putting this on you, God. I'm sacrificing this year to you and everything that I do. Physically, spiritually, emotionally, whatever it is, we need to sacrifice ourselves to Jesus this year. We, we call ourselves Christians. Little Christ, right? We see what he did. That's what we need to do. And I'm not saying we need to, again, go through something physically that hurts so bad. It's like, God, I see what you went through. Ugh, I want to go through physical pain too. No, that's not what we want. But we need to be willing to go through it. We need to be willing to go through self-sacrifice. We need to be willing to go through pain, knowing that he's going to carry us through it in 2016 because that's his heart for us. He has such a loving heart for us to where he wants to pick us up. He wants to give us that clean heart so we can all start 2016 off on a clean slate. So he's asking us right now to do that. And as we close, I want you guys to think, as we close in prayer, I want you to think, what can you give up this year? That bad habit. Yes, let's give that up. The heart over habit. Yes, habits in the title because we do want to give up habits. We want to start things new. But the first thing is heart. Are you willing to sacrifice your heart this year for Jesus, knowing that it might be hard? Because I'm telling you, we're willing to do that here. Valley Metro Church, we want to do that. We want to see this city grow. We want to see this city grow in sons and daughters of God. And we're willing to go through that sacrifice. And we're willing to walk through this sacrifice with each person in here. Because we know that you're a child of God. We know that he loves you. So God, we, we thank you for this day, God. We, we pray that 2016, Lord, would be a year for you. That our hearts would desire you so much. That you would just give us this this burning fire, God, in our hearts to be able to, to come to you. God, and we reflect on the things that you've done for us. We reflect on all the hurt that you had to go through, the sacrifice that you had to go through so we get to this point to where we have a decision to make. And if we haven't fully given our life to you, God, I pray right now, the people in here that have not done that, God, that your spirit would be with them, God, that you would speak to them right now and tell them that you want all of them. You just don't want 
the Sundays. You don't want the Sunday morning service. You don't want the Wednesday night service, but God, you want them and all of them. That you would let them know that the sacrifices that they're going to give up in 2016 is going to help them grow with you. So Father, we pray this in your name. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your heart for us. And Jesus, we just ask right now, God, that that your spirit would be here with us. We thank you. We love you in your name. Amen. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. We pray that this message has blessed you. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit us at valleymetrochurch.com.